Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about the fan noise uh, in the background. Uh, I haven't quite worked out how to completely eliminate it apart from, uh, I mean, I could record this in a studio booth, I suppose, and actually build something dedicated to recording it. And I guess at some point I will. But at the moment, I'm sitting at my Mac uh, with all of the kit around me and something's got warm. It's a warm day. Something has got warm and one of the fans is whirring in the background. So if you can hear that, I'm ever so sorry. Anyway, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and if it weren't for the fact that this is an enforced holiday, life would be good. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Ah, hello one and all. I hope the weather where you are is exactly the same as it is where we are, which is, is which is to say it's a beautiful, crisp, sunny day. The sky is that aquamarine blue that we don't get in the UK quite as often as you might expect. The sun is streaming in the studio, which is why my Mac has got as hot as it has and the fans, <laughs> the fans are working full time to keep the temperature down. I could shut everything down except maybe just run this off a laptop or an iPad, I suppose. Uh, but of course, the, the boot sequence on these discs is about half an hour and adding half an hour uh, shutdown and boot up time is just not something that I relish. So if you can hear the fans, I'm ever so sorry, but it is such a beautiful day. Uh, and one of the nice things about lockdown at the moment, uh, there, are, there are many facets of lockdown that are no fun. It has to be honest. And of course, the biggest is it's impossible to run a photography business in the current climate. However, there are upsides, and one of them has been, for us, we're about 30 miles or so from Heathrow Airport, which puts us under the flight path uh, heading west out of London. So we're forever living under sky trails. There's always aircraft, there's always uh, ice particles up high in the sky, and of course for the past couple of months there has been very little. And so the sky is so blue and it's quiet, there's much, much lower traffic, and so the birds are singing. We have red kites. Red kites, these are huge birds of prey, nesting in our garden at the moment, which is wonderful for us because the squirrels around us have a tendency to live in our thatch, uh, which isn't great because there's obviously wiring and stuff, and if you're not careful, they can eat the wiring and cause a fire. So we're always trying to get rid of the blooming squirrels, where it turns out having red kites nesting in your garden sorts that out for you. We've seen far fewer uh, squirrels. They haven't stolen the, the bird feed. They're not around our thatch quite as much. We think, we think the red kites might be feeding them to their young. I know that sounds macabre, but that is Mother Nature doing her thing. And if it helps keep the squirrel, squirrel population down, then I'm a very happy bunny. Anyway, in this podcast, I do, I'm going to start it's on a kind of COVID-19 lockdown sort of note. I do have a favour to ask you all. Now, we have listeners all around the world. And I wondered, and I say all around the world, obviously, if you're one of those people that believes the world is flat all across the world. <laughs> I read a thing somewhere where there was one of the... Um, what do they call it when people believe the world is flat? Anyway, there's a, there's a group for them, and they said we've got members all around the all around the world. <laughs> it's like you can't say that, mate. If the world's flat, it'd be all across. Anyway, we have listeners all around the world, and I wondered if one or two of you, and and that from the UK as well, would email in or get in touch and tell me how things are in your country or your region. 
it's all very well me sitting here in our hub about 40 miles outside of London uh, in the countryside talking about our experiences. But I'd love to hear yours and maybe I can talk about those on the podcast and maybe even uh, one or two we could do a Zoom call and record the audio uh, and have a chat about what's going on in each of your regions because it's so very different. And also the news that each region is getting is very biased towards what we, what the, our particular government wants us to read. Um so, you know, we always read that Britain is doing what it's doing. And then, of course, we read that other countries are doing what they're doing. And it'd be really nice to compare notes and see what each of our experiences are during this, frankly, depressing uh, time. And, of course, I could I could hop on to Facebook and have a look at that or Twitter feeds or Instagram or all of these global feeds. But even they are doctored so that I will have a tendency to see... Uh, what they want me to see. And then anyway, I stay off Facebook as much as I can uh, because I find it frankly uh, depressing. So I stay away as much as I can from that stuff. But if you want to drop me a line, I'd love to hear, genuinely love to hear how things are with you. Uh, and maybe it might just trigger a podcast episode or maybe a couple of podcast episodes in the future. Uh, you can always e- email me. I'm at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. On the news front, well, as you might expect, not very much. (laughs) We're in lockdown just like everybody else. Uh, There's not an awful lot going on. I'm still here. We furloughed the team. Uh, It's still me, though, in the studio. But there's not an awful lot of photography going on. Uh, One nice thing that did happen this week is we've been listed as one of the top 10 portrait photography podcasts on a website called Feedspot, which is an aggregator. I think they provide feeds um, of things you're interested in. So you can log on there, log on to the feed, and they will send you emails when anything changes on that particular feed. Uh, I will post a link in the notes, and then you can go and have a look. There's some really nice podcasts on there. I will also go and have a listen to some of them, uh, because if they've put us all together, probably there's some commonality. So that would be quite interesting to go and listen to. I'm not entirely certain how Feedspot works, but as soon as I get my head around it. I will go and investigate and I will report back to you. But I'm very, very proud of that. And thank you to the guys at Feedspot uh, that think this little podcast uh, is worth a listen. Uh, We're also now, um, pretty much every episode goes out, uh, comes out in the top 20 or so in the visual arts category of podcasts, both in the UK and the US. So this is iTunes, Apple's own categorization. We're listed as a visual arts uh, podcast. And we regularly hit those hit that top sector, uh, which is really lovely. I I had no idea it was happening until someone. I think it was Sarah. Did, my wife did some investigation, and, and she sent me a text uh, with our chart position in it, which is really nice. Uh, so it means we've got an awful lot of listeners out there. And so thank you, thank you so much to everyone who's listened over the past couple of years as we found our feet or tried to find our feet. Not not that we finally got there. Uh, there are definitely episodes that have been better than others. Uh, and uh, in particular, thank you to the people that email in. I, I won't uh, use his name, but somebody emailed me to tell me I was doing a pretty awful job of dropping the music in into the background. So apologies if I've clattered my way through some. Uh, I was just trying it out and clearly didn't work quite so well in one of the episodes. Uh, but I do read all of the emails. We do take it. We do pay attention. And we're constantly tuning the podcast to try and make it interesting because although I, I originally started doing this purely for fun, it was just a, I like audio. And so I thought I'd just do some recording. 
I've never really, in fact, I still don't entirely like the sound of my own voice. And there are plenty of people that tell me I like, you know, <laughs> Paul, you do like the sound of your own voice. I know what you mean as a sort of saying, I talk a lot, but I don't like the actual sound of my voice. And, and I think I partly did the podcast originally to get used to the fact, get used to how I sounded. Um, I just, I was just doing it for fun. And as it's turned out, it's, it's immensely popular. Uh, and that's really flattering, um, so thank you to everyone who has supported it. Uh, this week we have posted, if you're into the room sets and the portrait backgrounds uh, that are downloadable on Mastering Portrait Photography on our website, uh, there's a few more of those. Uh, they've just gone up. Uh, a big, big, big shout to two magazines. Two magazines where we've had... Uh, regular features, monthly features, uh, to N Photo magazine and to Professional Photo magazine. Um, now, I know all publications just at the minute are finding it incredibly hard, incredibly hard uh, to uh, to deal with the current situation. Uh, and I'm so I'm absolutely certain that these two wonderful magazines, incredible magazines, great editors, uh, Adam over at N Photo and uh, Terry over at professional photo magazine would appreciate some support and maybe uh, maybe you fancy subscribing to them um, I will post links in the bio uh, also in the in the shoot in the podcast notes below uh, but it's n photo which is sort of it's a Nikon dedicated magazine it's not run by Nikon uh, but I think it's probably the biggest Nikon specialist magazine out there and professional photo magazine which is all dedicated to professional photography so go check those two uh, websites out We'll check those two publications out. You probably can't buy them on the shelves at the moment because there's nowhere selling um, magazines just at the moment. But uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll support them through the website. Uh, also, a very personal and huge shout to the associations. So that the the associations um, and societies, particularly in the UK, who are all trying desperately to support the photography industry through this tricky time. There's no easy answers to what we're going through. There's no silver bullet. Nothing is going to help. Uh, in, nothing's going to fix it, rather. But having the associations on our side is hugely influential, hugely beneficial. Uh, in particular, I'm going to single out two of them, and that's the BIPP, the British Institute of Professional Photographers, uh, who, under its new CEO, Martin Baines, is doing a wonderful job, and to absolutely everyone at the SWPP, the Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers. Um, it's now called the Societies, I think, but I've been with it so long, my card still says the SWPP. I've been there a very long time. Um, it's a huge, huge association, a uh, hugely international association. I have friends in there from all around the world. So a huge thank you to both of those in particular for the support and guidance. Uh, they provide uh, the BRPP yesterday. I did actually ring Martin yesterday. Uh, partly just to t catch up and partly to ask a question. Uh, and as always, uh, he and I just fell about laughing. And it felt better. It felt better to know there are people out there just keeping an eye on things and trying to find answers for us. And also to hear stories through them of other photographers. We're not on our own. We, we're really not on our own. It might feel like it when everyone's talking about pubs and restaurants and retail. Um, and of course, the health and care services, you know, these are the headlines. Of course they are, rightly. But beneath all of this are people like us, the creative industries who some are doing well and some are finding it much more tricky. If you're a wedding specialist right now, it's very, very tricky. Um, actually, even if you're a portrait specialist, there's not an awful lot of portrait work around. So a huge, huge thank you to you guys for absolutely everything you are doing. It is appreciated. It is noted. 
and uh, you know, long may that continue. I actually did do a gig this week. It was for the Hearing Dogs, and it was such oh man, it was such a pleasure to be back out with the camera. I'd no idea how much I would enjoy two things. Uh, firstly, having a camera and taking pictures, and secondly, having someone to talk to, uh, who uh, was someone I could actually be within the vicinity of and chat with. And so, uh, back out photographing puppies on a very, very long lens. It was uh, I've got a two hundred mil seventy to two hundred Nikon two point eight. Uh, it's the VR two. Still haven't managed to stump up the cash for the VR three. Uh, I will do that maybe if all things turn out well. Uh, next year that'd be one of my purchases. Uh, but bolted on the front of that is my two times multiplier. And so I've, I've got a 400mm lens uh, at f5.6, which is a bit of a beast, you know, particularly when it's not... I'm not in a wildlife situation. I'm not uh, in a hide with animals at 300 feet. I'm pressing this thing against the bars of a wooden fence to try and find a narrow field of view through it to photograph a puppy that's in the pen. I'm not allowed to touch the puppies. I'm not allowed to get close to the puppies, or not too close anyway. Certainly not allowed to touch them at this time. Uh, so I'm having to do everything on a long lens... And trying to drop the background as far out of focus as I can and trying to get the puppy to run towards me when he wants to do anything but because I'm just, you know, all he can see is the front end of a piece of glass peering, pressed against the bars of this wooden fence. And so we're trying every trick in the book. Uh, but what a wonderful thing to be doing. Uh, I'll post some of those on Instagram, I think, because they're really cute. And it was just, oh, man, it was so nice to be back out. So it's nice that I can start doing that, I suspect, sadly that doing portraits and other types of human contact photography is going to take a little bit uh, longer to get there. Uh, one thing that has been a victim, a victim of the lockdown, is my Land Rover. It turns out... Now, I was I was told by the servicing guys that the immobiliser and alarm system on it caught them by surprise. They were totally caught out when they disconnected the battery to change part of the engine for me, and the alarm went off and they could not stop it. Now, normally with alarms, if you disconnect the battery, I have no idea, but I suspected or I thought that the alarm would stop. Well, it doesn't. This thing does not. In fact, this thing is triggered by disconnecting the battery so that if somebody tries to get bypass the immobiliser and get the Land Rover, you know, steal a Land Rover, <laughs> then this alarm screams. The problem is, with the Land Rover sitting for so long, when I went to start the vehicle, the battery voltage had dropped. It went so low that the immobiliser and the alarm kicked in, couldn't stop it could not stop it so for half an hour this thing is screaming uh screaming on the driveway uh so apologies to neighbors eventually we figured out that it is the fact the battery has gone flat and so we've charged it all up and i suspect i need a new battery but apologies to all our neighbors um honestly there's nothing i can do to stop it i can lock the car that alarm is going to carry on going uh, until it resets itself uh, so a bit of, it was a little bit frustrating. I was hoping to take the Land Rover out for a run to the Hearing Dogs, and in the end, couldn't do it. Had to climb into Sarah's Peugeot, which is is quite nippy. It's a it's a hot hatch, and so uh, it was it was nice enough. But oh, I really was hoping to get the Land Rover out, but no, uh, not this week. Uh, the other thing I'm having a real problem with is the new one way system protocol that's being implemented in all the big shops. I am not a one way shopper. I'm a browser. I'm definitely a browser. I'm someone that, if you tracked me around a shop, I'll do a mile in a big supermarket because 
The list isn't in the order of the shelves. I've not really got any idea what I'm buying. Um, it depends what mood I'm in. And so I will flit around, flit around. You know, it's the kind of thing where I might see a bit of, I don't know, I might see some beef burgers I really fancy. And if I see a bit of beef, a couple of beef burgers I really fancy, I might head over to the wine section because I fancy some red wine to go with it. But then as I'm thinking about that, well, it might, it might be a barbecue rather than a meal. So maybe I'll get some beer instead. So I head over to the beer. But if I'm having a beer, well, maybe we need some crisps or something because we're going to have a barbecue. In the so I'll go all the way back to, you know, the kind of story, right? that's me you can't do that you now have to go in the direction of the arrows which simply means i'm going to get to the end of the shop i'm going to come out i'm going to join the back of the queue and i'm going to go all the way around again because i've not bought everything i'm supposed to have bought it's just a nightmare not enjoying i understand why it's being done but i am not enjoying it uh, so, and on top of that, of course, I always come home with things that I've never intended. I'm that kind of shopper. Uh, I have, though, dug out my face masks. So, uh, as a DIYer, I do have a couple of face masks. So, for when we're sanding, particularly when you're sanding things like MDF, you really do need to use um, dust masks and things. So, I've, I've, <laughs> I've dug those out. But now when I go shopping, I look like I'm doing the decorating in one of the shops. I walk around with this face. Everyone else has got really fancy, soft little things on, and I've got a DIY face mask on. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's the way it is. And it really doesn't look like everything's going to change very much from it. Mean, it doesn't look like we're going to do much in the way of weddings this year. Uh, we've been talking to some of the venues and the earliest prediction I can get from any of them is for a September reopening. And that isn't really for weddings. Uh, that would be for very small and intimate affairs. Uh, possibly the restaurants and things might open. Um, but I really am not convinced that we're going to be doing very much in terms of wedding photography uh, for a while. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I really do hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that everything is, you know, the, the um, what do they call them, the, the antiviral things, um, vaccines, gosh, searching for words, the vaccines and things work. They get through the tests and we have them out quickly. But my, you know, my reality head is there's not going to be much in the way of big events uh, until the very end of the year, possibly 2021. And so that's going to make things very tough if you like us, I mean, a lot of our revenue is based on weddings. So we're having to redo our calculations and figure out, you know, how do we do that? Um, I doubt we'll make up the shortfall completely. Uh, but how do we do what we do and make the money that we need to to run a small business? It's the same for all of us. You know, it doesn't matter what little bits of grants. We're still battling it out with the bank. The banks still have not uh, given us what the government says we're eligible. Our accountants say we're eligible. Everything says we're eligible, except there's a glitch somewhere at the bank and we still don't have uh, the bounce back loans and things that uh, we're supposed to get. And bearing in mind, these are loans. I mean, we're all in this same situation. The government sits on the TV saying you know, nice words, like, oh, we'll guarantee this and guarantee that. But these are loans. They're not grants, which means all of the money that we can get has got to go back to someone, deferring VAT payments and everything else. You know, this is a tricky time. There's no doubt about it. For all small businesses, this is going to be a tricky time. But all we can do is stay positive, keep focused on what we have to do, which is to continue to build the businesses that we have. Uh, so there's not much else we can do except watch closely and see when we can start to trade again. So we're watching the lockdown rules really, really carefully. And we're trying to figure out which bits of the business we can start to reopen and when we can do that. It's certainly going to be a very, very slow and careful process, not just from a health point, but also I think politicians call this or they like to call this optics, which is to say how we're being perceived. 
So we'd like to open up again. Of course we would. Um, but the reality is we have to both be safe. None of us want to get it. We think we've had it. Um, at some point they will have um, tests available to see whether we've had it, but we're fairly certain we've had it. Certainly some of the clients I'm talking to have definitely had it. Um, so from a health and safety point of view, probably I'm not going to get it again. But nonetheless, we need to be really, really careful. So we've got sanitizer everywhere, all the surfaces will be wiped down, etc., etc. But also, how are we perceived? And in some ways, the perception is greater than what is the reality. So we have to be really, really careful how we go about this, how we promote it, how we talk about it, and then how we execute it. Very, very carefully is the answer to all of that. And the first step has been, for me at least, is to figure out what two metres looks like. It has been a funny week. I've been watching news uh, all week. And what's been really entertaining is watching each and every, particularly the on-location presenters, talk about two metre separation. And if you watch in the background, if you watch what's going on actually on the street or in the schools or in the parks where they're doing these interviews, no one's two metres apart. Everyone's really close. And I'm not talking about families, of course, that's allowed. But I'm talking about, you know, there was a, uh, I think it was Katja Adler for the BBC was doing an interview from Belgium and talking about out there, they're enforcing two metres with all shops. And as she talked about it, behind her, two people went into a shop door. At the same time, someone came out of the shop door and they essentially bumped into each other. It's all very funny. Same with, there was a piece of school footage and there were definitely two teachers measuring two metres, but the two teachers were a metre apart. You know, this is the funny thing. Two metres is actually a big old distance and most people are not really clued up on what that looks like. So whatever happens, we're going to be working at a very long arm's length for quite a while. And so we're setting the studio up here to be able to deal with that. At the moment, we can't have people in the studio, or at least we're not sure we can, certainly not under the current rules. Uh, but we do have a huge studio garden, about an acre of open space and, you know, we're starting to work that out. And one of the things I thought might be uh, useful, particularly particularly as one-on-one -on -one headshots are likely to be the easiest and first thing to do, because separation is clear, there's no ambiguity, it's me, it's my client, there's a gap. That's, you know, when you've got a family, things start to blur and meld. But um, not only is it easy to measure one-on-one, -on -one, it's highly likely that the business parts of the portrait market will come up first because businesses are going back, businesses are going to need their corporate photography. That side of it probably is going to be the first thing to unlock, whereas families are going to take a while and weddings are going to take that little bit longer. Um, so one thing uh, is... We've started to look at how that's uh, going to uh, unlock. Now, one thing we've already started to notice, and I'd be curious to hear if anyone else is getting this, we've had a lot of people asking for COVID discounts. Interesting, huh? Minutes something like this, clients start to ask for, for big discounts. But given none of our bills have gone down in the slightest and, and our revenue has essentially been cut to the floor, I'm not quite sure how people perceive that to be something we're going to be able to do. I mean, of course, we'll figure it out because we need the clients, we'd like the work, but we could really avoiding it being a race to the bottom because a race to the bottom is a no win. No one can win from that because there's no margins in it. Once you get down to those rock bottom prices, you might as well not be working because although you've got revenue, you've got no margin and revenue Revenue is a flattery figure. Getting revenue into the business, although it'd be useful because it'll put cash into the bank in the short term, if you're running each job at close to zero, that's no good to you because you're spending your energy 
just transferring the money in and out, in and out. And you need to keep some of that money. So it's going to be interesting how we battle that and how we educate clients that we can't just do big discounts. You know, there's lots of stuff out there that is being discounted. Membership sites and things can be discounted really easily. But when you actually when you have actual products that you need to sell, you know, my suppliers, amazing, amazing suppliers who make the frames and the products that we sell, they're not discounting. So how am I going to discount that? How am I going to pass on anything? There's nothing to do. Uh, so it'll be an interesting thing, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, to that end, to that end, looking at the way we're starting things up uh, and what's likely to come next, I thought I'd have a quick run through my portfolio and see if I can figure out whether photographing at two metres or greater is all right, how that's going to look. And there's a great plugin. Uh, there's a guy called Jeffrey Friedel who makes plugins for Lightroom Classic. Uh, I've had a few of them. I've got a few of them installed. Uh, and there's one that allows you to explore the camera data in your catalogue. Um, it's a great plugin. Um, and so I downloaded it and installed it and went to my Keepers catalogue, which is all of the images that are things like my portfolio, competition images, uh, images that we've used in magazines and things like that. And this plugin allows me to do one particular thing, which is what I wanted, which is to in interrogate each image and find out what the subject distance is, how far away the subject was from me when I took the picture. It's unfortunately not a bit of data that is reliable in e in every image. I don't know why. There's some mechanics. Some cameras record it, some don't. Um, some operations in Photoshop wipe it out and some don't. So it isn't easy, but I ran this query anyway. And it turns out quite a lot of my portfolio, particularly competition images, um, were taken well over two metres because I shoot primarily on a 70 to 200 or a 105. They're my two preferred lenses. I don't use a 50 very much. And I don't use a wide angle very much at all. And so with those lenses, I guess, as you'd expect, my client or my subject is quite a long way away, even when I'm working in the studio. Uh, my studio is about six metres long and typically a studio shot for me, I take between three and four metres. So that's a really good thing because it means as we gradually open up, I can actually still take still take the kinds of pictures, not only that I love, but the kinds of pictures that have done us pretty well in the portfolio with publications and with competitions, I can still take them at two metres or greater. And that, I have to be honest, is a huge relief. So it's a worthwhile exercise is as we start to head out of this thing, because separation and isolation are going to be a factor in our lives corporate and personal, commercial and personal, for quite a while to come. So I found it quite reassuring that I can continue to take the pictures that people know us for and offer the service that people know us for. Although we're still trying to figure out how we do online reveals and things, how we do those effectively just as we do them in the studio at the moment. Uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it looks like slowly and imperceivably we're going to be starting to open up those doors and start to see our wonderful clients. Again, and goodness knows, I really need it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Please do stay safe. And as always, be kind to yourself. Take care.